0: What is up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Check the Kick podcast. SureDog.com is a platform. I'm your host, Devin. It's January 8th of 2024. We are just a hair over a week into the new year. I hope all of you guys had a good and safe new year. If you're listening to this, that means you made it. Hope you guys all had a great holiday. A lot of rest and relaxation. It was nice to take a little bit of time off from podcasting and MMA. However, I missed all of you guys. I missed all of my colleagues at Sherdog, sure so I'm really happy to be back with you guys for another episode. Unfortunately, I don't have any old fights to go over because we talked about the Colby Covington-Leon Edwards fight that sucked. Don't want to talk about it anymore. Um, there are some fight announcements we're going to get into. We're going to get into UFC Vegas 84 and Goliath versus Walker. Um, some interesting tidbits on there. Quite frankly, the fight night card kind of sucks. But, like a junkie without their fix, I'm back. We're back, and I need it in my life, injected into my veins. I am very excited. Um, We are going to kick off the show with some fight announcements. We don't have the out with the old segment, so we're just going to go right into what's hot. And what's hot, right before I started recording, and this has been confirmed, we have Jorge Masvidal versus Nate Diaz 2 going to take place in boxing. Um Jorge Masvidal recently, I'd say probably 4 or 5 days ago, put out a tweet saying I am unretired. And I was like, shit, is he going to fight Justin Gaethje for the BMF belt at UFC 300? That would have been kind of fun maybe, but no. He's fighting Nate Diaz. So that Should kind of probably tell us that um, we're not going to see Connor versus Nate at UFC 300. Um, Connor posted his weird drunken, I'm returning for International Fight Week to fight Michael Chandler at 185. I took that so seriously that I rushed to my computer. To record a breaking news, just kidding. I did not take that seriously at all. And I don't think anyone that's a true MMA fan or that knows a lot about the sport took that seriously or anything Conor McGregor says anymore, especially in the year of our Lord 2024. Um, but Diaz versus Mosfidal, this should sell. This should sell. This news was broken by Happy Punch, which, you know, they, they call themselves a new generation of combat sports. They are known for all of this uh, misfits, boxing stuff, all this Jake Paul celebrity crap with KSI and all that stuff involved. Um, so that that's their thing. And I guess this is kind of a celebrity boxing match in a way, um, but a celebrity boxing match with two aged fighters that do actually have good combat sports. Um, history and experience. This should be pretty interesting um, of a fight. I I would lie to you if I told you I wasn't interested in it. However, based off of how they both looked in their last time out, um, Jorge looked really bad against Gilbert Burns and Nate Diaz did not look that great against Jake Paul, but they're both going to make a boatload of money. Um, I'm glad the UFC went ahead and told Jorge that he could go do this boxing match. That's also been confirmed. So supposedly the UFC has given him their blessings to go out and do this, which is a little bit of a slap in the face to uh, Francis Ngannou. Um, We're going to talk about that here in just a moment as well. Um, But this should be interesting. Their first fight was stopped TKO doctor stoppage because Nate Diaz's face was falling off of his head they probably won't have that issue in boxing due to the gloves and everything. Um, no elbows, no kicks. If you guys remember that, uh, fight, pretty interesting fight. This was the original BMF bout. I wonder if there'll be some sort of BMF stuff incorporated into this. Probably not. Um, because I'm assuming this BMF trademark thing is probably been trademarked by the UFC. So I don't know if they will be allowed to utilize the BMF terminology. However, pretty freaking interesting. Um, First fight was kind of a one-sided shit kicking, but that's when Jorge was, you know, really at his peak and towards the end of his athletic prime. He was still really fast. He was crushing Diaz with elbows, crushing him with kicks, head kicked him, dropped Diaz, had Diaz all out of sorts. Uh, All the Nate Diaz fans were saying that Jorge Masvidal was starting to tire, and Nate Diaz was definitely going to come back and win that fight. He was definitely going to come back and stop Jorge Masvidal, no doubt about it. (laughs) <laughs> um, if you're only listening to this on audio, I smiled and gave a weird look. Um, but yeah, g- great for both of these dudes. They're both old. They're both aging. They're both way past their athletic prime. They both have a ton of tread on taken off the tires and it'll be fun. It'll render a shit ton of pay-per-view buys probably maybe not a shit ton, but enough to get them both paid. Um, whatever promotion is hosting, this is, is probably going to operate at a deficit in doing so. I wonder if this will be some sort of a Saudi Ridia, whatever crap that, that they do where, you know, Saudi Arabia is just like, we want to look cool and we don't care if we lose money. And I kind of like that, that they're doing with boxing. I think it's pretty funny. Um, Shout out to both of these old junkyard dogs. They're going to get hella paid. They're going to get a big fat bag of money. I'm happy that they do that. Um, It's going to be in March in Vegas. So no, it will not be in Saudi Arabia. I'm kind of just talking crap here, um, but it'll still be fun. I'm I'm semi-interested in it, um, and, and shout-out to both of these guys for finding some sort of post-UFC career. I mean, especially for Nate Diaz, the dude boxed Jake Paul, made a crap ton of money, lost, and now he's going to box Jorge Masvidal. And good for Jorge. Jorge, you know left the UFC on his own terms. Didn't look that great, but didn't get embarrassed. You know, it wasn't like his last fight was the Usman fight where he got flatlined. I'm kind of, I'm kind of curious. I'm curious to see what weight they do this at. I'd say probably around somewhere around 180, 185 pounds. Um, these guys aren't going to, they're just going to get in fight shape. They're not going to cut weight and we don't need to see these dudes cut weight. There's no freaking reason. Um, but yeah, Masvidal versus Nate Diaz, Number two, tell me if you give a shit in the comments below. Um, Should be fun. We're going to stick on the boxing trend and we're going to talk about another huge, huge fight that just got announced in boxing. We have a huge, huge boxing match and it's going to be huge in size and huge in publicity, huge in pay-per-view buys, huge worldwide. We have the former UFC heavyweight champion. The lineal heavyweight champion. Just kidding, because he would lost to Tyson Fury. Francis the Predator and versus Anthony Joshua. This is going to take place Friday, March eighth, in in Ridia, Rida. I don't I don't really know how to pronounce it, Saudi Arabia. This is going to be a Saudi boxing match, so be prepared for like little baby. Um. Ariana Grande and random miscellaneous pop and hip hop artist to be there performing a 45 uh, minute concert before the fight. Um, when the fight starts, set a one hour timer on your phone to come back and then watch the fight. Um, between the co-main events ending and the time that the bell rings to start the first round for Joshua versus Nganu, It's probably going to literally be an hour and a half. I'm not even kidding. The pacing, the last time they did this Ngannou Fury charade in Saudi was terrible. Um, you can expect... Um, uh, let's see if Conor McGregor will um, be trying to funnel Anthony Joshua booze in the middle of the uh, ring. when loser draw. That would be pretty funny. Um, but in all seriousness, this is a great fight. Um Francis performed so well against fury his last time out and he exceeded all of our expectations. And then Joshua looked great his last time out, um, winning via stoppage and kind of a shit kicking. And he went back to his old former self, you know, we've seen Anthony Joshua stumble and trip, you know, in big fights against guys. Well, Big fights for him and guys stepping up as big underdogs like Andy Ruiz that finished him and knocked him out, but he came back and won that fight. And Joshua again looked great his last his, his last time out. He fought on another really huge card, looked really really good. Francis Ngannou did lose you know a split decision to Tyson Fury in his last time out. Stepped up against all odds, you know he didn't win the sure dog fighter of the year. However, a lot of people had him as their fighter of the year, and I would not. I wouldn't argue it even off of a loss in only one fight the dude in all of one year, he, you know, told the UFC to go F themselves and we all made fun of him. We all talked shit about him. We all said this dude fumbled the bag, quote unquote. Clearly he didn't fumble the bag, um, went out there and uh, was counter punching Tyson Fury hurt him with the big with the big shot, dropped Tyson Fury, sent the big man to the ground. <laughs> and then, you know, poor PFL is just kind of waiting in the wings. What is PFL going to do about this? Absolutely nothing besides get shafted. Um, and I've said this the second that the Fury and Ganu fight got booked and was actually going to take place. I said this, and I would scream this from any mountaintop, that Francis and Ganu will never fight in MMA again and people say why why would you say that well do you guys not recall the dude had two bum knees when he fought Cyril Gane and had to wrestle Francis and Ganu weighed 277 he's 6 foot 4 6 foot 5 anyway 277 for his Tyson Fury fight he's had knee surgery to repair torn ligaments ACL MCL meniscus i believe in his knee and his left knee yeah it's only got two of them left or right um but uh if you're not aware what mma practice and wrestling just wrestling does to a late 30s six foot four six foot five 277 pound human um think about it there's his fight with tyson fury was probably less demanding on his body than one day of wrestling practice over at extreme is he at? um oh no he's with eric nixick um down in vegas so yeah uh francis is definitely never fighting in mma after this for this dude to uh in, in just over a year's time tell the f tell the ufc fu, tell the pfl fu, you fight and lose to tyson fury and then immediately after that have another bout booked against anthony joshua it is incredible anthony joshua is a star he has over 16 million instagram followers and francis has six and a half million this is going to be a huge fight um it's funny that francis and gunner i believe is ranked number 10 in the world he is stepping over guys like joe joyce and zhang zay um stepping over guys like andy ruiz and, and getting these huge huge stepping over guys like deontay wilder deontay wilder looked like shit his last time out against joe parker and that was, you know, Deontay Wilder looking so terrible, like his last time out is, is kind of what segued this fight in, into place, which is great for, for um, great for Francis. I'm very excited. Um, this is going to be a hell of a fight. Francis did look really good. He looked very buttoned up. He looked very polished. This was not the, the Francis we saw last time out was not the Francis Ngannou that fought and strike. This dude Was counter punching. His jab looked good. He looked composed. He was not over swinging and and crossing his feet. He looked great. Um, Shout out to Francis Nganu for quite literally securing the bag. The dude did not fumble the bag. And shout out to Anthony Joshua for taking this huge fucking risk. Francis Nganu has one pro fight and it's against Tyson Fury. It's a loss. Um, This sets up a big fight. We have Tyson Fury. Versus Usyk, obviously there's a rematch clause there. If Usyk wins, there'll be a there'll be a second fight. You know, either way, those dudes are going to be fighting each other twice at least. So this is kind of a a potential. I mean, if Francis Ngannou wins this fight, he will be fighting whoever comes out on top from the Fury and Usyk ordeal. And if Anthony Joshua wins this fight, he could easily get his rematches with Usyk. And him versus Tyson Fury would be fucking huge. Heavyweight boxing, it ain't so bad after all. Couple more big fight announcements. We're moving on to MMA. Enough of the boxing stuff. Uh, if you're here listening to the show, you're probably here for MMA. Um, but I will dabble. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll take a puff of the boxing. Um two big fights. We're going to start off with UFC 299 in the good old MIA. That is my hometown. I am originally from Miami, Florida. I no longer reside there. Um lived there for a very long time, over 25 years. Um we have the number 3 ranked light heavyweight fo- light heavyweight lightweight former interim champion facing the number 12 ranked Frenchman. We have Dustin Poirier versus Benoit Saint-Denis. And this is pretty funny because the name Poirier, he's from Louisiana, which has a very huge French influence. So in a way, this is France against France. We got the old fur trapping, old fur trapping Frenchman down in Louisiana versus the uh, escargot eating French from France. Um, This is a hell of a fight. There's probably odds on this that I didn't pull that I probably should have. Um, I'm going to assume that Dustin Poirier is the favorite. He's coming off of a pretty vicious loss and Benoit St. Denis on a five fight winning streak. Um, shout out to Dustin Poirier for, um, doing the same thing that Justin Gaethje did when he fought Rafael Fiziev. They are the, these young guys are, uh, they're streaking. And, you know, these old dogs that are still very good fighters with big names are, are not, you know, they're, they're kind of releasing their, their, releasing their stranglehold on the top five of this division, which has really caught up by a lot of these guys for quite a while. Um, Islam Mahashev kind of made his way into that. Charlie, Charles Oliveira kind of made his way into that. And we have Benoit here taking a huge jump. I mean, it's the equivalent of, you know, you ever climb a flight of stairs and you do the thing where you try to skip a stair or two. Well, this dude is is skipping floors. Um, the fighters that are in between number three and number 12, there's some very good very good fucking fighters in between there between there. But Benoit St. Denis, he's this fight actually as an MMA fan that loves to watch great fights. This is an amazing fight. This is pure violence as a dude. That is a big fan of both Dustin Poirier and Benoit St. Denis. It's going to hurt me to watch these guys beat the shit out of each other. Um, Dustin Poirier, one, you know, one of the best boxers in the UFC, Great southpaw. Amazing check right hook. That's his thing. Um, pretty good kicks. He's tough as shit. He has good BJJ. He's good. got good submissions. He submitted Michael Chandler after piecing him up. He is a great combination puncher that once he gets rolling on dudes, you know, very close round in his, in his last fight against Justin Gaethje. I scored the first round for him. Some people scored it for Gaethje. Either way, you know, and then he got caught slipping with that head kick. That head kick could knock out anyone. Shin to the temple and then foot wrapping around the back of the head, you're going night, night. And Dustin Poirier is a guy that, you know, he's tough, but not as durable as he probably wants to be, but he has the ability to hang tough in the pocket. Benoit St. Denis is a, I mean, he fights like a French special force fighter. He is incredible. The dude, the dude can put pressure on people. He can he can grapple. He's got, he's got amazing kicks. He's a great body kicker. Look what he did! Look what he did against Matt Fravola his last time out. Matt Fravola tried to exit the pocket. He thought he was at a safe range, but Saint Denis cut the angle, hit him with the head kick. Prior to that, um, you know, crushing the crushing Bonfim. He's looked really really good. This is an incredible fight. This is blood and guts. Um, they are making this a five round co-main which both of them wanted great benoit saint Denis wins this fight and he's getting a title fight thus poirier wins this fight he's making a boatload of money and probably fighting for a title himself um i'm here for it great fight awesome fight love both these guys this is like i mean write it on your calendar circle it tattoo the date of this fight on your hand this is not something you want to miss And the final MMA big fight announcement, this is going to be on UFC 300. They're they're really starting to beef this card up, and I'm curious to see what's going to go on. I really hope, you know, when this fight was announced, Dana White announced this fight as a title eliminator, which this is going to be in the UFC lightweight division, um, which kind of leaves Justin Gaethje out there, which makes me think they may be trying to put Justin Gaethje on UFC 300. Hopefully they don't make him. Hopefully it's not Max Holloway. Really don't want to see Max Holloway take punishment from such a hard, just such a punishing fighter as that Justin Gaethje can be. Um, but we got Armin Sarukian versus Charles Oliveira in a title eliminator. This is announced by Dana White just yesterday. Um and this fight makes a lot of sense. Both of them have their last wins coming off of Benil Darius. Charles Charles Oliveira went out there and what we thought was a shutout at the time against Manil who was streaking and looking great. Um, went out there, head kicked them, finished them with strikes. Uh, Armin Sarukian went and did it even better with this weird punch off of one knee that was so fast. Um, this just, this is an incredible fight. We have one guy that is m- much more of a nip, tuck, scramble, um, Kind of the epitome of a wrestle boxer, but he's turning into something more. And that, that'd that be Armin Sarukian. And then we have the just the guns blazing, all offense, Muay Thai technician that Charles Oliveira has become. He's probably one of the most improved strikers on the roster. And then he has that deadly BJJ that can always, you know, always fall back on. Um, whoever wins this will be getting a rematch with Islam Mahashev if Islam Mahashev is still the champion. Dana White said it's going to be in, in the summer, so I'm assuming they're waiting for Ramadan to finish. Um, this is a great fight. Both of these dudes, especially Armin. Armin looked really good. He fought short notice against Islam Mahashev in his UFC debut and went out there and, and has given Islam his hardest fight outside of um, Alex Oliver, Alex, Oliver, Alex Volkanovsky. Um, and then Islam went out there and got probably you know top three knockouts of the year last year in 2023 when he went and finished Alex Volkanovsky. So we've got Armin sitting here who, who's a great fighter, young streaking, doing all the right things. And then we have Olivera, the OG, the old workhorse, the dude that's been doing this former champion. The UFC is going to take their toys and break them against each other. And I kind of like that in this fight. I think this fight makes all the sense in the world. Um, Charles Oliveira was supposed for supposed to fight for the title. Things happened, fell off, Volk slid in, and then now Armin Sarukin has looked so good streaking. You know, he, he's people thought he was just a scrambly wrestler, but you know, ask Christos Diagos, ask Joaquim Silva, ask Manuel de Dariush if that's the case. Um look look what he did to Joel Alvarez. Early prediction. This could look a lot like the Paul Felder and Charles Oliveira fight. Armin Srukian is a great scrambler, very top heavy, and he, I mean, I mean, just go watch that Joel Alvarez fight. Look at the punishing ground and pound that he lands on people. Um, and he's just such. A, he's become such a Niptuck tuck striker. He's so defensively sound. Charles Oliveira is just an offensive dynamo his strikes he's got big power great kicks great power with his punches he punches he's a straight puncher he's got I mean that left hook he murked Charles Oliveira with or Michael Chandler with was just incredible um these are all a bunch of fights that I'm super high on for this year I'm super stoked um and I think this may be Armin Sarukian's time to shine and and earn that rematch he so well deserves All right, guys, moving on to UFC Vegas 84. I believe that's what it is. Who knows who's keeping count anymore? I don't even think the UFC is keeping count. I think they're just like, yeah, 92, 84, 73. I think they're just fucking making up numbers at this point. Um, Pretty fun card. Uh, It's definitely uh, definitely a card of... uh, (laughs) Some old guys, some new guys, a couple rematches in the main and co-main. It's definitely a card that they're giving us after a long time off. We would be talking a lot more shit about this card if this was just our standard weekly MMA. But it's been a while, so I miss it. And like I said in the beginning of the episode, I'm like a junkie waiting for his fix. Where you at? How far away are you? When will you be here? It's this Saturday, the 13th. Um And I'm going to skip the Ricky Simone, Mario Bautista fight. I know that you guys are here for that. And and honestly, it's a better fight than the fight I'm going to replace it with. However, Jim fucking Miller does not have a lot of time left. And he does not have the same case as Tony Ferguson, where I stopped breaking down and talking about Tony Ferguson fights because I felt bad. Not Jim Miller, baby. We got Jim Miller. Versus Gabriel Benitez, Jim Miller's nickname is A-10, but it should be WD-40. (laughs) The dude has just been around for so long. Gabriel Benitez, his nickname is Mowgli. If you've seen it, you get it. Um, Jim Miller, minus 120 favorite. Odds are kind of swinging in his favor. Benitez is a plus 100 underdog. And Jim Miller, he's secretly, out of his last five fights, he's lost one against Alex Hernandez and he didn't look terrible. He knocked out Eric Gonzalez knocked out Nicholas Moda guillotine Donald Zeroni. And then his last knockout Jesse but- against Jesse Butler. I think us at Sherdog, we might've kind of forgot that one and let that one slip by, but honorable mention for knockout of the year. Yeah. Jesse Butler came in on short notice, but Jim Miller's like, how old is Jim Miller? Uh, He's 40? 40, 40, His 36 wins and 17 losses. He's 40. The dude fought Lyme disease and beat it. He's cured. (laughs) And ever since that, he's gone on and 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 crushed people. Yeah, you know, he uh lost to Vince Pichel, lost to Joe Selecki, and and we all thought he had cardio issues where he'd, you know, have maybe a good five to nine minutes of cardio, but the last round would be non existent. Not anymore like even against Alexander Hernandez cardio was not the issue he got eye poked really bad in that fight um his vision got really compromised he's i thought he was going to getting surgery he stated in, in an Instagram post back when this fight happened in February last year that he was going to need some eye surgery to repair some issues so he got eye poked and still fought tough and alex hernandez is a young athletic dude that's pretty good i would probably pick alex hernandez to beat gabriel bonita um he's Jim Miller is a guy that's later in his career, he's been able to rely on big power and he's hurting dudes. I could totally see him getting a club and sub here. Um, for Gabriel Benitez, he's a dude that great kicker, amazing kicker comes from a great camp, AKA, um, Javier Mendez said that he's probably the best and hardest kicker at that gym. And he, that was when, um, Luke Rockhold was around and Luke Rockhold is a great kicker. Uh, and he's got good wins, but yeah, his last his last fight was back in August thirteenth of twenty twenty two, where he beat the world renowned Charlie Ontiveros. Um, I'd pick probably every single active fighter on the roster to knock out Charlie Ontiveros. Besides that, before that, he got knocked out by David Onama, who's a one forty five er. Gaston got finished by Billy Q, another one forty five er. Got knocked out by Sadiq Youssef. He did hurt Sadiq Youssef in that fight in a brawl. And then lost to Omar Morales. Like, the the dude is in his last one, two, three, four, five, six. and his last six fights, he's got two wins. The dude hasn't won a a fight. Prior to the Charlie Taveros, he beat Justin James, who is a great wrestler, good coach down in Vegas, but probably not a UFC talent. Last time he beat a true UFC talent was um, probably Clay Collard. That's probably the best, most recent win he has, and that was in 2015. Yeah. So um, I'm going to go with Miller here. I like him to probably club and sub. Benitez is a dude that's been rattled. He's taken a long time off, so that's going to be good for his chin and his durability. However, I'm kind of all over Jim fucking Miller here, man. I think Miller can go out there and hurt him. I think Miller, hopefully we can get Miller on UFC 300. That's something he's really wanted. And I think Dana or someone mentioned that even, you know, regardless of the outcome of this fight, as long as it's not too bad, um, this dude will probably fight on UFC 300. Unfortunately, the way the MMA works, I will pray to the MMA gods. We don't see some sort of like Anderson Silva, Chris Weidman, type leg injury where like the dude's definitely never fighting again and definitely not fighting on UFC 300. I'm going to pray that doesn't happen, but MMA is a fickle B I T C H and anything could happen. Um, but let's get Jim a 10 Miller win by first round finish club and sub. I think he hurts Benitez on the feet, causes Benitez to do some panic wrestling and he hits him with that old guillotine. Same one that he hit Mr. Cowboy with, Jim Miller, minus 120. I think it's a good bet. I think it's a smart bet. I think it's fairly priced. And let, what? I wonder what he is by finish. I wonder what Jim Miller is inside the distance. Look it up. Let me know what you guys think. Comments below. Who's going to win this fight? Moving on to the co-main event. We got a flyweight rematch. One of the best divisions in the sport. This division's really, really fun, especially these two guys. These two guys are are, are tons of fun. Um, we have Mateus Nicolau rematching Manal Cop. Nicolau was Nicolau was cop's second fight in the UFC where he beat him via split decision. I kind of thought Nicolau pretty cleanly won that fight, but yeah, it's MMA and judges are crazy. Um What's even crazier than that is the odds on this fight. Man, Cop is a pretty heavy favorite. He's minus 250. Matisse Nikolaus coming back as a pretty even under, pretty good underdog plus 205. Um yeah, Cop is the uh you know, was the flyweight champ over in Ryzen, kicking dudes in the head with shoes on. <laughs> um and, and maybe this is based off of Nikolaus' last Loss. He he did get kneed in the head by Brendan Royval. Um, beautifully timed knee where where Matthias Nikola was kind of stepping into the pocket and he got kneed and then elbowed a bunch and got finished. It's pretty freaking violent. Um, another possible honorable mention for a knockout of the year in 2023. It's been almost a year. That was back in April when he last fought. Prior to that, he defeated Matt Chanel via knockout, defeated David Dvorak, um, beat Tim Elliott, and then he had that split decision win over Menal Kopp. Menel Kopp, on the other hand, his last time out, um, had a brawl with short notice super young UFC newcomer in Felipe Dos Santos, where Felipe Dos Santos comes from that same camp as Charles Oliveira, tough as absolute shit. The the dude is tougher than a $2 steak and went out there and had success in moments against Manel cop. And I think that's something that's kind of being forgotten here. Um, Felipe dos Santos was having lots of success, just making the boxing exchanges go longer than Manel wanted to and forcing Manel to fight off the back foot a little bit. And those exchanges where Felipe dos Santos would go forward and throw two, three, four punch and, four strike combinations. He was having success and visibly rattling Minel cop. Um, let's hope Minel cop does not have the same type of post fight interview that he had. Um, if you guys recall his post fight interview after this, it was not the best, um, funny, but not the best. Um, prior to that, he also beat David Dvorak. He knocked out zalgazumagulov and he knocked out Ode Osborne. Um, Manon Kopp is a dude that, he's an athletic dynamo. That's his thing. His thing is to be an athlete. He's a mean, he's a mean dude. Like he's a dude that fights with tenacity. He's a very mean guy. He's kind of defensively porous where he will get caught with things. You know, look at the Felipe De Santos fight. However, he, he may be one of the hardest hitting flyweights, especially, um, since David Davison figueredo is, is no longer in this division. We have the champ Pantoja. He definitely is a hard, hard-hitting, hard-punching dude. Kaikara France, another hard-hitting, hard punching kind of dude. But what Manal Cop does, he he's much more of a uh, timing precision parlayed with big power and athleticism, where that knee that he hit Ode Osborne with was like chef's kiss, beautiful. And that's something that you know. That's he could easily pull Nikolau into a similar trap. Um, Nicolau, on the other hand, is much more of a nip tuck, very clean striker, does not make a lot of mistakes, even though he did get knocked out his last time out. Um, for Nikolaou, funny enough, the only losses this dude has in the UFC are via finish, and his only losses in, in general all come via finish. And for Nikolaou's three losses all coming via stoppage. He's not a dude that seems defensively, you know, sorry. um, Damage wise. He's not a dude that seems porous. He's pretty defensively sound. He's not a, you know, doesn't have a glass chin or anything like that. He's not, it's just MMA, especially at this level in, in these divisions, um flyweight is full of athletes every single fighter in the flyweight division if you're on the top 10 you're a freaking dynamic athlete and he's just to do that last time out just kind of got caught slipping in a very MMA-esque way I could see he had a lot of success in this first fight taking down Cop. I could see him you know winning the first round and just kind of stymieing cop and, and take him down. And, and I don't want to say lay on him, but take him down and, and take some wind out of the sails. That would be a, a very smart way to beat such an athletic monster. Like Manon cop, take him down, take the wind out of his sails, land some ground and pound, control him, make him struggle to get to his feet, repeat the process. I think he got two takedowns in the first round of their last bout. Um, the number on this fight just kind of doesn't make sense to me if you look at both of their last fights. Yes, Nikolaou got caught slipping, but he looked fine against Roy Val up until that point. And Manal Cop did fight a short-notice replacement. But this guy was kind of a nobody off the Contender Series and went out there and had a war with Manal Kopp and, and hurt him and, and visibly wobbled him multiple times in that fight. Um, this is not a betting show, even though I kind of just told you guys to bet some money on Jim Miller. And this is one of those fights where whoever's a two to one underdog, you're almost smart to just lay a couple shekels down on it because why not? Um if you're if you're a betting man. I like Mateus Nicola to probably win another decision here. I, I could just see him that knockout loss is probably gonna cause him to only fight smarter. He is out of this whole entire out of this whole entire division with all the dudes in the top 15, obviously Pantoja beat Manel Kopp, Pantoja is a beast, but Pantoja is a dude that leaves way more openings defensively than someone like Nikolaou. I could just see Nikolaou fighting a very studious type fight, getting his takedowns, landing strikes, getting out, staying on the outside, and just slowing this fight down. If he fights this, if he fights this fight at his pace and does not get caught slipping, it, it's going to take Manel Kopp. To catch Nikolov slipping, and cops, the dude to do it. Don't get me wrong, but as a minus two fifty favorite, coming off of both of their previous fights, I just you know, in a rematch like this, there's just kind of no reason for either one of these guys to be so skewed. And you know, this fight should almost be much closer to a pick 'em. Um, you know, if if cop is a minus one fifty. Favorite And Matthias Nikola was a plus 160 dog. Like that makes sense to me, but plus 200 minus 250. I'm going to lean with the underdog here. Um, I'm not betting this fight though. So, you know, take this all with a grain of salt, please. But I could just see Nicolau fighting a very nip tuck fight. All he has to do is out wrestle him for 1.5 rounds and, and not get hurt. And he could easily win this fight. And when I say 1.5 rounds, I mean, wrestle him for the first round and wrestle him for the first half of the second round and hope the judges score it properly. It's one of those types of fights. And Nicolau does have all the tools defensively to strike and be on the feet with Manal, as long as he doesn't get caught with anything crazy. Um And again, and and Manal cop could easily time a big knee and, and make me eat all my words because it's Manal cop. Both of these dudes are great. Um, what would be funny for Manal Kopp, if he wins this fight, he's going to probably fight for a title, which is just another rematch. Um, and that's flyweight for you. There's there's not enough dudes on the roster, in my opinion, for such a great division with such talented fighters. Moving on to the main event. We have Magomed and Kalaev in another, another rematch here for Magomed um, versus Johnny Walker. Magar Mankalaev is minus 455. He's the big favorite here. Walker's coming back as a plus 350 dog, which is funny because the out of the short amount of time their fight went um last time around, the, the odds have skewed even more in Ankalaev's favor, which they should. Um and and this is something that uh my colleague over at SureDog Ben Duffy uses quite quite often. And I'm just gonna say it. Magomed alive is probably the most unlucky fighter on the roster, and he is just set for blunders. The dude will cross the street to step in dog shit. I'm sorry, Ben. I stole that from you. However, it is the, it's is the—it's just a the perfect way to describe Magomed Nankalaev. You look at his fights with Paul Craig, where he's absolutely dominating him, and then he goes and gets submitted via triangle choke. That was at the 4-minute, 59-second mark. That's his only... That's his only loss on his whole only loss in his whole career. <laughs> it's just really funny. Um and the dude looks great. He's he there's an argument that this guy is the best light heavyweight on the whole entire roster. Johnny Walker, on the other hand, he is a dude that is prior to this fight with Magaman Goliath, Anthony Smith told him that he was stealing from his family. He's trying to hurt his family. That that fight kind of sucked. Um, and Johnny Walker did what he had to do to win. He, you know, he utilized his leg kicks, the Paul Craig fight that, that, that fight kind of played out exactly who, how most people thought it would. The Iwan Kutalaba, he went out there and out wrestled and like took Iwan Kutalaba's back. Very interesting. Um, one via RNC in that one there, the Jamal Hill knockout was a uh, pretty funny in my opinion. Um, Johnny Walker, when he broke onto the scene, those like standing elbows that he hit Khalil Roundtree with, it literally sounded like someone hitting a coconut with a hammer. Some of the most just, just boom. Like I can't even describe the the, the sound. Go watch that back. It's incredible. Um, Justin Ledet. I don't even know if that, where that dude's at. The, the the flying knee against Misha Serkinov, but then when he came and and fought Corey Anderson, that was definitely a reality check. Corey Anderson was like, "Hey, what if I don't fall victim to um, the worm and this guy just being giant? What if I just punch him a lot?" If you go and and watch back, um, I think it was the Henrique Silva Lopes um, loss where he got knocked out in jungle fights. Uh, maybe it was maybe it was the Wagner Prado fight, but there's a fight on on. There's some fights. I did not go back that far. I didn't go 10 years back watching tape for this. So sorry. I didn't go back to jungle fights. Um, but there's a there's a fight out there where Johnny Walker literally got knocked out like four times. And then the fight was finally stopped. So Johnny Walker's not the he is the definition, in my opinion, of a glass cannon. The dude is absolutely freaking huge. He's six foot five. He enters the cage at least two thirty-five, two forty. He's the biggest light heavyweight I've ever seen probably the biggest light heavyweight that's ever existed. His little brother is actually um, debuting as a heavyweight and Johnny Walker's bigger. It just blows my mind. This dude should be a heavyweight with his athleticism and his speed. He, he's, he's a guy that's always going to be defensively porous. He's a guy that's always going to be durability wise, non-existent as well. You want to touch him. You can Cor- ask Corey Anderson. Corey Anderson just went out there and punched him a lot. Very hard. Jamal Hill punched him a lot. Very hard. Um, since he went over to Ireland and, and got with, with Conor's camp over there, it, it, I don't think slow and methodical Johnny Walker is the best Johnny Walker. I honestly don't think Johnny Walker is intelligent enough to employ the game plans. He is, you know, that, that Kavanaugh is trying to employ him with. I just don't think he's a, I don't. think he's intelligent enough. I think he's much more of an athletic freak that when he was relying on his athleticism and his power, he would just go out there and crush people. And I think that would be his best shot against Angolai, but Angolai have hurt him with the body shot, and it crumbled him, caused him to drop to a knee. And it's really funny that Iwan Kuchalaba and Johnny Walker have both thought to themselves, hmm, here's the most nip-tuck technically sound fighter in my division let me see if i can confuse this robotic russian with some sort of drunken master you know le- let me see if i can rope a dope this guy like J- ankle is literally the last guy you're gonna rope a dope <laughs> however um you want and johnny walker have both tried it um their last fight ankle was pretty clearly winning the first round however johnny walker did have some su- success with the leg kicks but, um, the way that it ended, Johnny Walker, they, they asked him where he was. He said the desert, they probably thought dessert like ice cream. Um, and it ended up in a fight that shouldn't have been stopped, it was wrongfully stopped, in my opinion. Walker seemed fine, even though he did take some knees t- to the ground. He, you know, and, and it honestly should have probably been a DQ, but this ended in no contest, I believe. Um, let me verify really quickly. Yep. No contest, illegal knee. Pretty interesting. He probably should have been a DQ win for Walker. Um, I just don't see a path to victory. Even though if anyone is gonna lose in some really ridiculous way to Johnny Walker, it would be Magaman Ankalive. You know, but Ankalive in a five-round fight the last time we saw Walker go five rounds was against Tiago Santos. And that was Tiago Santos post John Jones. And it was just a terribly boring fight where Tiago Santos literally had success with grappling. Johnny Walker. Don't see why I alive. Even if he loses the first round just by not throwing enough strikes and just gets a leg kicked a bit. By the if this fights if this fourth round starts in this fight, look at all the punishment that he took from Yanblahovich, who is a much more technically sound striker compared to Johnny Walker, and equally powerful and equally dangerous to as Johnny Walker, and a much better kicker than Johnny Walker. Look all but look at all the damage that he took from Yanblahovich, and was still able to get takedowns and win. Closing rounds of their fight. Um, to make it a draw. Give me a Magma Dank alive. Via third or fourth round TKO stoppage. I think he. Can buzz up Walker on the feet. But I think he just takes him down. And just TKOs him with ground and bound. Walker is like. He's like one of the best worst fighters on the roster. But that's why he's a light heavyweight. He He's just a guy that. He's just giant, and he's a true athletic freak. Um, and whenever Johnny Walker fights, it's, it's typically fun. Besides the Anthony Smith fight and the Tiago Santos fight, but either he wins in extremely impressive fashion, or he loses in extremely impressive fashion. The real question is, will we see the worm? Because if Johnny Walker wins, we'll see the worm, and will he blow up his shoulder? I don't know, but that's the show, guys. Check the kick. That's my sign. That's an osprey holding a salmon. I'm Devin. I'm the host. SureDog.com. Enjoy the fights.